Welcome to the CMI Global Podcast. The following message was recorded at the CMI Global Regional Meeting on May 27th and 28th, 2016. If you would like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting cmiglobal.info. We hope this message is a blessing to you. My title today is What I've Learned Pastoring the Same Church for 45 Years. That's a long time. 45 years ago, I left Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's about five and a half hour drive. I'm saying that for a reason. Because people think church splits, church growth. Hello? No, it's divisiveness. It's not church growth. We got too many young men that are out trying to start churches, but they want to do it with their family so they can have a congregation right away. Um, Go ahead and do what I did. Move away from your hometown. Go to a city that's all Italians and Catholics. And no one knows who you are or cares who you are. And um, I went 45 years ago, started a church, Scratch. I'm a founder. How many founders do we have here? Founders. This is important. You know, then, by the way, you know that the Bible says that where there is no oxen, the stalls are clean. So church business is messy. A lot of poop. You got to be able to pick up a lot of poop. And if you don't like poop, don't start a church. Because uh, if there is no oxens, yeah, your stalls are going to be clean. How many have cats and dogs? I don't have a dog. I got a letter from an attorney one time telling me to keep my dog in my yard. I don't have a dog. Couldn't figure out who what he was talking about. I called him and I was irritated because they were pooping in somebody's yard. And one of my neighbors reported me, said my dog was pooping in their yard. But every dog, every dog owner becomes a pooper scooper if you know what I mean. Um, I do want to just make some comments about uh, myself. I'm Mexican-American. I was raised under Brother Pano's ministry, um, born and raised out of Dr. Pano's. So a lot of things that you hear off of me today, uh, understand, look, at, look through the, 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 the lens of the fact that here's a kid that was a kid. Now I'm 69 years old, and I've been raised... Uh, under Dr. Paul Pano's ministry. Um, there are five of us, Dennis Kutzer included, Rod Buzzard is is another one, uh, Larry Goodwin. Um, I'm jotting them down because some of you may know them, John Lloyd. Um, uh, I think I mentioned them all. These are what they call clones. Now, I don't know how you feel about clones, but we used to get accused of being a clone of Brother Pano, and we thought it was, they they meant it as derogatory, but I mean, it was a compliment. And so Dennis and I have been raised with a great man. I am going to tell you that I don't know of a preacher in America that has sent out more preachers than Dr. Paul Pano. Uh, That man has mentored more preachers, and many have been influenced by that man that are sitting in his room. And so I'm real proud of the fact that we have a, a mentor that raised us. Um, I was born and raised. I, I left Newcastle or Fort Wayne to go to Newcastle to start a church. It's predominantly a small community, very small, maybe 80,000 people. And we started a church about four years ago. I felt it was very important that I turn the church over to my son. 
I am blessed to have a very intelligent, smart preaching son. He's a musician. Um, he was supposed to speak this this week here, but he's in New York going to a crash course in New York Theological Seminary because he's training himself uh, besides of what he's already been trained. Um, and I felt the reason why I should do this. And I want to say this to some of you who have been preaching for a long, long time. I am now 69 years old, and I have learned the hard way that there are a lot of preachers my age that when they die, the church dies. That is not good leadership. A good leader thinks about the next generation, has to. It is not a testimony to say when the old man dies, the church dies. It's a bad testimony. It means you didn't think enough about your legacy to prepare somebody else to move in your shoes. One of the things that I also learned the hard way is that when you turn something over to somebody, let them go. Don't be a control freak because they're not going to do it like you. Can I get a witness? My son is one of those men. He's a thinker. And I made a promise to him that when he took the church, he could do, and I would not sit over his shoulder and tell him, you're doing this wrong. He's learning the hard way. That's the best way. Now, let's start. Um, I've got so many things to say, I couldn't wait to hear what I had to say today. Um, <laughs> I put them on the screen, I think. The first one, I want you to notice that what I've learned in 45 years is that it is imperative that we preach the word rightly. And look at this scripture verse. Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling, skillfully teaching the word of God. Please, brethren, if we learn anything from Brother Paino, he said, get exegetical. Get into the word. Buy programs. Don't invest money for your brain. We invest money for sports. Very few people invest money to buy books. You don't even need books anymore. Uh, there is a website I want to give you. Uh, just, just one. Uh, here's a good one. If you don't have this, you got to get this one here. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of a neat thing. It's, it's scholarly. Uh, they're not Pentecostal, so if you want a Pentecostal twist, this is the one you want to listen to. Uh, these are very theologians that know their Bible that tells you the Greek words to tell you how to pronounce it, what it really means so that you don't twist the word. How many know that some of us, when we preach a long time, we, we, want, we let the Scripture say to what, what we want it to say rather than what it ought to say? And we refrain from doing that. That is not going to promote good, good teaching for you. You're not going to help your people. There's a lot of things that people do, preachers say. Um, and don't get distracted. Preach the word correctly, properly. Um, buy magazines. Subscribe to websites. I just bought a program. Many of you have heard of it, Logos. I spent $1,500 for this program. Uh, that's a lot of money. But it's not a lot of money when you're doing what you're doing. Because people respect good theology. They do not respect crazy theology. They don't respect that. And if you want to attract those kind of people, have at it. There are great people to destroy you. So don't be distracted with winds of doctrines. Don't minimize the cross. And don't minimize salvation by grace. Don't minimize that by getting caught up in all kinds of things. And can I get an amen out of that? Amen. Number two, you can have a problem 
free password for 10 years. Make one mistake and people will turn on you. Hello. Um, I don't care how much they tell you they love you. Pastor, I wish I would have known you five years ago. Oh, boy. A man, I needed a man like that in my life. Yeah? And try to rebuke them and reprove them and see how much they love you. Just try it. They'll walk out. Why am I saying this to you? Because we get deceived. We think, oh, these people would never do that. I had a board member that was with me for 25 years. Went on vacation together. We went shopping together. We enjoyed steaks together. Went to restaurants together. And he was the first one that when I had a problem in, 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 in the church, it was a personal problem. He was the first one that came to my office and wanted a copy of the Constitution. Now, I want to say this about constitutions. I'm not, a, I'm not a Constitution expert, but I am wise enough to know that if you are a founder, your best, your best friend is your Constitution. I know too many good people, I won't mention their names, have built great churches and have lost it. They've lost their church because they had a bad constitution. I'm here to tell you here, tell you that if I didn't have a good constitution, I wouldn't be pastoring the church that I'm pastoring now. Because this man went straight to a lawyer, took the constitution, and showed it to him. And I'm sure that lawyer said, sorry, bud, you really can't do nothing about this. They can't. If they can vote you in, they can vote you out. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm only talking to, to founders uh, or non-founders for you. If you're not a founder, you need to walk carefully because you've got a board. that. And I'm not saying that's wrong. If that's how you inherited it and you got voted in, how many know you can get voted out? Yep. My, my, my concentration is on founders, people that have started their work. If you started a work, then you listen to what I have to say. I think after 45 years, I've got something to say. Um, Number three, be careful who you promote from the pulpit. Some of us are really guilty about that. When you preach it, you say, isn't that right, Brother, brother Joe Jim? You know, and Brother Jim and I, we were, and you keep doing that for year after year after year. When there's problems, they're going to polarize that boy. They're going to, they're going to, because you've already given him permission. You, 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 you've, you've authorized him. You obviously have confirmed him. To the eyes of the people, you say, "Well, Pastor, I just..." Got, and here's another deception. I know this may little hurt hurt you a little bit, but some of us are so cheap. Rather than bringing a special guest preacher in, you let one of your own men preach. I'm not saying that's bad, but if you get a man that is insecure and it's not getting his emotional needs met at home, and he's an eagle freak, he's going to hurt you. He's going to hurt you. I'm telling you, he's going to hurt you. He's going to get on the pulpit and he's going to think he's a preacher. And when there's a problem, and especially if he's a better preacher than you, you really are in trouble. Because people are going to say, well, I like him better than I do like him. And then when he leaves, guess who's going to take with you? With him. He's going to do it. I'm telling you. Say, Pastor, you're right. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Um, you just got to know that because if, if you uh, allow someone, not, I need a nap, I mean a tissue in my nose. I have kidney problems, and when you have kidney failure, and I have had a transplant. Uh, this is just, if you ever see a man having problems with his nasals, probably because he's having some difficulties. I'm having one now. Um, I, I know that um, I took a sabbatical for about three months, and I brought in people from CMI to preach for me. Thank you, partner. Um, I'm not going to go into my personal problem, but it was serious. 
I could have lost the church. Well, I'll just be honest with you, I lost my marriage. And I lost my marriage, and I almost lost the church had I not had a good constitution. And um, I'm not just, I'm telling the truth to you. Uh, if if you don't get a good constitution, Brother Dennis is an expert at constitutions. I think I'm pretty good at it. I know what I, what I would arrest, ask you to do is get copies of other constitutions. Ask people for a copy. Your, I'll give you a copy of my constitution, and you tweak it. You just make it better to fit you. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you could lose a church. You, I am not going to spend f- 45 years of my time and heartache and money and then lose it. I'm going to tell you a personal story about John Lloyd. John Lloyd pastored one of our biggest churches in CMI in Lake in Clearwater, Florida. His last building was what, $24 million? million building he built. This thing was humongous. John's no longer there. What went wrong? Something went wrong. Uh, This happens all over the country. People are losing their their churches because the man starts at the vision and then he loses it. So let me get get carried on here. Um, Number four, I've learned that once you give authority away, you can't take it back. Boy. You know what we do? We get a guy come into church and we think, oh boy, he's going to help me build this church because he brings 10 other people with him. He's got a little bit of money. Got to watch his money people. They're the ones that'll hurt you because they think they're business people and they can run a church business when the truth of the matter is they can't. Uh, the church is the business. Amen. And you should, you should seek their advice. But when you get people like that that are very domineering and strong and most businessmen who are successful are uh, they will. They think they know how to run the church. And what I'm trying to say to you, once you give somebody, even if you appoint somebody to be uh, a teacher, I remember one time I, we put a lady in, in the class and we were going to move her. This has happened uh, after 45 years. I said to, to her, I need you to change her from the fourth grade department to the sixth grade department. She told our Sunday school superintendent, no one tells me where I go. Okay, we had at one time we had 15 buses. We were running Sunday school, uh, filling those buses up. We had a great. It was a Jack Kyle's thing, you know. If you don't know about Jack Kyle's, it was a bus ministry. We had 13 buses, and I took a bus driver, a captain, and I said, Jim, I need you to go to this bus route because it's not doing as good as the one you are, and I need you to improve that one. He said, You're not taking that bus away from me. That's my bus. Okay. Number five, uh, I've learned that you have to be careful you don't build on someone else's foundation. You say, now, why would you say that? Look at this next verse, Romans 15. Paul said this. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. Isn't that wonderful? Don't gloat because somebody had a church split and you gain half of them. That's not good. We are not converting people. We are transferring people. Don't, don't, don't act like we're having a revival in America. 
The mega churches are simply gaining ground because they're tired. They don't like small churches. There's no programs. You don't have anything for our kids. I don't, you know, I'm not getting blessed. I don't like the music. You don't have lights. You don't have this. You don't have that. And we're, and we're in a turmoil today as a church at what a church should be. I don't think we even know what a church should be. I think we're all trying to figure out what a church should be. Now, those of us who have been raised under Brother Pano, we think we know it all. And um, we don't know it all, but we do know that we know a man that was successful. And I get this. I had a man, a youth pastor, leave me and started a church in Youngstown, Ohio. And he made a comment. Well, Pastor Robles, he doesn't. He's, he's old school. He's Brother Pano. He, he don't, they don't do it that way anymore. And he started a church five years ago. Ask me if it's still there. No. And Brother Pano's trick was this. He had a great system. You got a man that once got a preacher's itch, tell him you're going to support him for two years. Start his own church. That's what you do. Great idea. Because he wants to pastor a church. Send him out. Support him for a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, and say, look, I want to help you get started. Am, am I right? I did that to Paul Price. I helped him start a church because he was causing me so much trouble. <laughs> he wasn't. I, I had the joy of, um, I had the joy. I, it wasn't. I, 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 I love this man. We don't agree on everything, but uh, he's been a friend of mine, and I'm a friend of his. I am not in the business of uh, building walls. I want to make sure that I keep the, the doors open for friendship. Uh, you, you have problems. Um, I'll get to this later. Uh, build disciples, number six, not numbers. Build disciples, not numbers. Don't, you, and I have to admit, you know, I'm now 69 years old, and when I first got started, man, I was going to build the biggest church in Newcastle. I mean, and I was doing pretty good at it until all holy war broke out in my life. And um, it was a mess. Uh, I was in a lawsuit. My ex-wife filed a lawsuit against the church. That was fun. I had to hire two lawyers, myself. Was that a bell or was that just accident? Is that the second bell? Two minutes. I only got two minutes. Oh, my Lord, I better get going here. Uh, sorry. Uh, it's a serious mistake to think you can build a stable church with people who are transfers. I already said that. You can't do it. Um, if, if they left someone else, they're going to leave you. I'm not saying that's always a correct statement, but for the most part, people that have left others that I've gained, they've left. Number eight, when people are unhappy and leave, this is what you do. You bless them. You do not get irritated. You do what the prodigal son fathers did. You bless him. So when he is in the pit, he realizes, I can go home. If you make it hard for them to leave, it'll be hard to come back. Not good. I've learned what Dr. Painel said is true. Three things he said. Great preaching doesn't build great churches. I know a lot of good preachers pastor small churches. You'd be surprised. Get on a website. Just start shopping around. You'll find a lot of good preachers pastor small churches. A lot of praying doesn't build great churches. I'm just with the Paul Epano quotes. Great praying doesn't build great churches. I know a lot of praying people pastoring small churches. If praying built big churches, there'd be a lot of big churches. 
Number three, supernatural miracles won't build churches. This is my pet peeve. I am weary of young preachers thinking that miracles are going to build churches. They draw crowds. They don't build anything. I was on a golf course in Orlando, Florida, playing with a man that was on a board of the Brownsville Revival. Remember the Brownsville Revival? They built a humongous church. You should probably know about that building. Built a humongous church. When I was there playing golf, he's no longer going there. He says they're down below 300. Miracles will draw a crowd. Number 10, do not discuss church problems in front of your children. Never do that. Never. And sometimes don't even discuss in front of your wife. Your wife doesn't want to hear how much they have offended you or your wife. Amen? You know why a lot of kids aren't serving God? Because you spread too much. Teach them. Number 10, don't be afraid to teach about giving and tithing. Hello. And let me just say something about people who leave your church. Brother Pennell said this years ago to me. He said, son, they're scaffolding. You know what scaffolding is? Yep. Scaffolding, people will bring you to where you ought to be. And what do you do with scaffolding when the job's done? Take it down. And they leave. Don't get mad. God just used them as a scaffolding. Say, hallelujah. Praise God. And when they leave, bless them. And then sometimes you don't want to come back. You want to stay them away. Number 11, never wear Saul's armor. I already talked to you about that. A lot of guys trying to emulate, copy what uh, Rick Warren does this and so-so does that. You know, you don't fit in that armor anyway. Carry your own anointing. Amen. Amen. Uh, number 13, don't resent and fear conflict. That is God's instrument to teach you social skills. Man, most of us don't know how to handle people. I used to, when I was ignorant and stupid, I used to say, if you don't like it, leave. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> and they took people with them. Terrible. Here's the 14th one. Uh, all pastors need a mentor. You've got to find somebody you love and trust that you can spill your guts to and then listen to them. Can I just say something to you young pastors? You, you all need to listen a little bit more. You think you know how to do it. But you don't, you don't know everything. Was that my second bell? Is that it? Okay. Um, I got, that was it? Okay. That's all right. Um, any questions? I'm done. How many? Can I get a copy of your notes? Yeah, you can have them right here. Um, the, one of the things that uh, I think we, we, at least I did, I foolishly thought that everybody loved me. And um, well, thank you. I'm not talking about non-church members. I'm talking about church members. You just assume that they love you and they tell you things. Um, the best way to build a church is to love people. Brother Pano said to me years ago, I'll never forget it. Now, I did something that, that he did for years. That I wouldn't advise you to do it. I don't do it anymore. My son said, Dad, we've got to get rid of this. But for, oh, gee, 35 years, I lived on a free will offering. I would have received two offerings, one for the church, one for me. And I have to confess to you, it was good. Say it was good. It was good. It was good, and I'm going to tell you why it was good. When you live with a free will offering and people love you, when you spend 45 years with somebody, you can't fool them. They love you. And when they get blessed, guess who they get blessed? Who they bless? They bless you. I've had women and men, had one woman that every year she'd fly me and my family to Florida herself. 
I had another man that every year, I got one lady right now, every Easter, she wants me to go buy a suit. There are people that will love you when they sell a car, sell property. I mean, there were times that, I don't want to make any of y'all jealous, there were times that I would get a $10,000 check, $5,000 check. and say, here, Pastor, I want you to have it. Why? Because I lived on a free will offering. Brother Pino told me that. He taught me that. He says, teach him. I said, when I started the church out of nothing, I said, what do I do? He said, just, I said, how do I live? I'll never forget this. He said, take two offerings. Do what they did in the, in the Old Testament. Idiot me. I went to Bible school and didn't know what that meant. He said, do what they do in the Old Testament. I said, well, what did they do? He said, the Levites were not allowed to take to any other job except the, the ministry. And they lived off the tithes of the people. He said, receive two offerings. Tell the people, you're going to live by faith, and the other offering is going to go to pay the bills of the church. I did that for years, and I did well. I did very well until somebody else had to share it. That's a joke. <clears throat> um, I think the biggest thing people have fear is, is, is also, um, I'm taking the, my, my, my question, because you all don't have questions, but... Um, the best secret is stick to itiveness. Stay with it. Don't be discouraged. God is greater than your enemy. If they all walk out, it's okay, man. God's going to sustain you. He's going to sustain. He'll. What God will do for you what you can't do for yourself. And I was it hard? It was terrible when about eighty percent of them walk out of the door. Um, that was difficult uh, and very hurtful. But the thing is, it's okay. God, God brought me through. I'm still there, and the church is doing fine. John Paul's doing fine. He's on salary. He's on, he's on staff. I actually work for him now. And so God brought us through all that. And I think sometimes people are afraid to just love, just love people, shepherd them, shepherd them. When David was anointed with king at a young age, remember this? Samuel anointed him with oil. The moment he was anointed with oil to be king, he never acted like a king. He went back to take care of his dad's sheep. Sheep were important. And they're dirty, they're messy, but they're people. I got a call last night while we were at Applebee's. A young lady's married to a boy that we raised. He's an alcoholic. He said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I need to talk to somebody. You know what I did? I stepped out and talked to her. You know why? That's what pastors do. Shepherds do that. Amen. Amen. And they'll call you right in the middle of dinner. You don't say, uh, Pastor's having dinner. Uh, can you call me out? No. No, 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 no. Don't let your wife do that to you. My wife tried to do that to me. I said, wait a minute. We make a living out of this. Uh, how do you deal with people? I've had, man, I'm going to say probably a third of the people that come to my church are people that were going to churches. Some of them that grew up in the church. There, there was a change of pastor. The pastor basically really was leaving the, the old-time ways. They, they confronted the pastor. They talked to the pastor about it. Um, for whatever reason, he wouldn't want to switch. And, and they really felt released by God to leave that fellowship because um, they, they, they basically had some doctrinal issues with what, were, what was being taught. How do you deal with them? Carefully. Yeah. Uh, you love them. I never threw anybody out. But here's the, here's the deal. Something, what they're not telling you is that there's something they didn't like. 
And as quick, as, as innocent as that looks, what you just told us sounds so sincere and innocent, they'll find something with you. If they ever begin to doubt your authority, Brother Pino told me this, and I didn't believe him. He said, son, as long as you're a good little boy and everything, I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, I didn't womanize, I didn't do any of that stuff. I had a marital problem. He said, the moment they find a weakness, they're going to jump on it, and you're going to find out the real color. And by golly, he was right. He was right. I would say just walk carefully. Don't promote them. Don't put them in positions of authority. They'll hurt you. Just bless them. Bless them. Let them, let them get familiar with you. Is that good advice? Dennis, is that good advice? You, you remembered how he said it. He said, the first year you were there, it's a nice, <laughs> nice kitty. The next year you're there, it's a poor kitty. And then eventually you scatter. He said this. He says, he says you're going to be there for 25 years. He said, they'll cry to the tomb, to the grave, and dance on the way home. That's what he told me. And by golly, you say, well, you mean people are that insincere? Yeah, man, they'll tell you what you want to hear. That's how dumb we are. Keep telling me some more. You know, the thing is, here, here's what I find out. The, the guy that causes me the most trouble, listen to me, gentlemen, and I hope I'm not offending anybody, but I'm going to be truthful with it. I don't, got, I don't have anything to gain here, you know, uh, just the fact that I, I want to be honest with people and transparent. I learned it from my dad. My dad's very transparent, sometimes a little bit more transparent than he ought to be. But the guys that always give me the trouble is the guys who don't have any authority at home. Yep. They can't talk to their wife that way, but they can talk to you that way. And she provides the bullets, and he shoots them. And, and I said to a man one time, he worked for the gas company, and his name was Corky. I said, Corky, you wouldn't talk to your, your wife Elizabeth that way because you know she'll put you in your place, but you'll talk to me that way. Oh, no, no, I'm the man of my house. No, you're not. No, you're not. She runs the house. You know that, Corky. Those are the guys that cause you trouble. And we need men in the church today that will be leaders. I'm not telling you to hate your wife. Ladies, please don't offend us this. We've got too many men letting their wives run the church. They're afraid of their wives. Don't do that. People won't respect you for it. They don't know it. They're not dumb. You say, well, ladies, shouldn't I have a voice? Absolutely, you should have a voice. That's why God made you a helper. But, but, but there's no first lady at my church. Listen, let me ask you a question. Let's see, who can I ask? I'll ask Paul. Paul, if you were having open heart surgery tomorrow, or no, Monday, and the surgeon said he couldn't do it, would you let his wife do it? <laughs> would you? You're going to get a pool, a tooth extracted tomorrow, Monday, and he can't, he's on a golf course, he can't meet it. Would you let his wife pull, would you let his wife pull your tooth? Now, there is an exception. There is an exception to the rule. If she had a calling before you married her and she's been trained, absolutely, let her preach. But just because she's married to a preacher, you let her preach? Are you serious? You're going to hurt your people. They don't respect that. She hadn't been trained. Oh, she's my wife, so I'm a co-pastor. Okay, whatever. I get more complaints from people saying, you know, I love him, but, man, she's... She's something else. Uh, what did he mean by that? Am, am I being too strong, overseer? 
uh, Dennis was flirting with it last night, but I, I but I'm, I said, oh, I can't flirt with it. I'm not flirting with it at all. I'm just going to tell it like it is. I, I think that longevity is the key, and that is just stay put, do what you got to do. Don't defend yourself. Just keep preaching and teaching. Any other questions? I'm, I'm limited here. Did you all enjoy this, or did you hate me for it? Okay. Um. Brother Price has been a friend of mine, and if, if you have any more questions about, I, I really think some of you need to look at your constitution. Get your books audited. Get your books audited not by a professional. If you can't afford a complete audit, get a review. If you don't think money means anything to people, have an annual, or have an annual business meeting. One of the things that's happening in CMI, and that's why I was hoping Brother uh, uh, Flint would talk about it, we are, de we are doing better financially today at CMI than we've ever been because we're transparent with the money. There are times we could, see, here's the problem. We think if anybody doesn't agree with us, they're our enemy. One of the things that I'm very thankful about what's going on, why I'm still around, is that, is that there are people that can, the, you can voice yourself here without having somebody uh, mark you as a troublemaker. Just because we don't agree doesn't mean we're bad people. We just have different opinions. And when it goes up for vote, you lose, you lose. No big deal. But to be silenced because you're afraid. I, I'm going to say this, Bible, this is kind of dangerous. We were afraid to approach our bishop. We had thoughts. Who better? My son said this to me. He said, Dad, who better? Who has more of a right to criticize you than I do? I'm your son. I said, honey, you're right. And, and we need to understand when you have a spiritual son, that you're grooming and mentoring, and every preacher needs a mentor. Believe me, I don't care how old you are. I have an old man right now. You all know him as Jim Lyons. He's an old fart, is what he is. But, he's, but I talk to him, and I say anything I want to say. If I want to cuss, I cuss. You say, you cuss sometimes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm not insecure. I'm not, you, you're not going to fire me. I mean, you know, you're not. And I can say to Jim what I feel, and Jim, being an old man that he is, he's been, I think he's in his 80s. When Brother Painel died, I needed somebody to substitute it. I, well, there were times that I would call Brother Painel, and I would say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Brother Painel was so good at this. I would drive into Fort Wayne and, and ride all the way to camp and back. That's two hours, an hour there and an hour back. I remember one time he had a problem in the church, and I said to him, why don't you get rid of him? He said, no, no. I said, I'll just pray him out. I'll pray him out. That's wisdom. You ever prayed anybody out? None of you have, evidently. Boy, hang around me. I'll pray, show you how to pray him out. <laughs> 